0: This, this is Brock and Sal. Brock Heward is my hero. Jay Peter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Well, we're going to excuse you from the energy. Doesn't really work that way, Sharon. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Hewitt and Mike Sock. Hello. hello! Yes, hello to you. Happy Valentine's Day, Brock. Happy, happy V-Day to you. Yeah, yeah. Big fan. You love Valentine's Day?
1: Uh, no. no, no, I don't. No. no, no upside. No, we go from Christmas and then Molly's birthday is in right. January, right? Into Valentine. It's a same thing. It's a trifecta. That's it's why just, I don't.
0: I don't do much for like. It's a yeah. rookie holiday. It's manufactured. There's yep. no reason to get too too excited about it. Do no. too much.
1: No. But I did get Betsy something. Hope she's feeling better.
0: Some Betsy, <laughs> oh my god. Some Wait, you got Betsy something? <laughs> a little some get Betsy. well. A little get yeah, well. Yeah, just a
1: little a little get well. Hope she's feeling better. Good. Hope Good. she's off
0: the respirator. <laughs> Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> brutal. wow well, she's very sick, right? I mean, and now you're sick. Yeah, I'm sure. To learn. I, no one's allowed to be sick without getting roasted well, for it. I mean, it's not about being sick; it's sort of about you know bailing or whatever, but flaking. <laughs> no, whoever that was yesterday. It. 48 <laughs> hours notice. Maybe you could maybe you could get her some cornflakes. God.
1: That was yesterday. Today is today. Today is Valentine's Day. Yes. It's all about (laughs) love. We're all over
0: that. Yes. You guys are going to feel real bad. (laughs) And we've got some nice love poems and love letters that uh, we've written to uh, some of our favorite local athletes that we'll be uh, reading to you throughout the day. And then I've got some that were sent to me uh, by some all different people, uh, uh, famous and not famous. So uh, we've got uh, quite a list. Anyway, I saved a couple from our first. Oh, good. Too. Yeah, we've gotten some text uh, some text suggestions for Love Letters, Brock, so we've got a lot going on. Nice. Uh, you can text 866-979-3776, Mac and Jack's text line. All right. So paying Patrick Mahomes worked, right? They gave him huge money. They won mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So no one can say 17%, this, that, and the other. It's now happened. He won. They paid him. He was a huge part of the reason why. He was worth the 17% cap hit, right? All of those things happened. Yep. In order to win... They needed to do two things. Hit on a lot of their acquisitions and play lots of young players. Yep. They did both, and it worked. Yep. So now you know there is a blueprint to winning a Super Bowl by paying an elite quarterback, big-time money, and then playing a lot of young people around him.
1: Yeah, and by playing young people, you mean your draft picks. Yes. I mean, you have to hit on your draft picks.
0: I mean, rookies. I mean, like, really young players all over that roster but you've got Patrick Mahomes in the middle of it, who you paid big money to. Mm-hmm. On the other side, the Eagles, who I think also had a reasonably you know, <laughs> good claim to have won that game. The Eagles went the other way. They're not paying their quarterback, right? He's yep. still in his rookie deal. Yep. And so because of that, they could afford to trade for and pay a bunch of veterans. A.J. Brown, Hassan Reddick, the list goes on and on. Right Now, that'll likely change at some point when they have to make a decision on paying Hurts and seeing what that looks like, but not yet. Right now, they've got a quarterback who's playing well on a rookie deal, and they spent a ton of money on veteran players around them. So you have two completely opposite structures on how to build a roster— And both approaches led to a Super Bowl appearance that both sides could reasonably say they had had a very good chance to win.
1: Both were the number one seeds. Both won 15-3. and Both had six all pros. Both almost mirrored themselves in
0: so many of the numbers Mm -hmm. and did to the final two minutes of the game Sunday. But neither of them is in the middle. Right, Both of them went to one extreme or the other, either paying your quarterback huge money and then playing young players around him or paying your quarterback no money and then having and paying a lot of veteran players around him. If you've got one of those top-tier guys, how many of them are there? Three, at most five? Then I think the right thing to do is to pay them big money and play young players around them. Yep. Or if you've got a guy that you like on a rookie contract... He gets the advantage of the veterans around him to help him look even better than he is. That's the early Brady years model. That's the Russell Wilson model. That's the Jalen Hurts model. But what do you do in the middle? In life, Brock, how many things are good in the middle? When Uh, you're in
1: between. Uh, You spit lukewarm lukewarm out your mouth. (laughs) We know that hot or cold spit lukewarm right on out. You never want to be in between. You never want to be betwixt in between in baseball, in a revelation in a life and building your football team. You cannot be in between. I would also layer that in, in, in kind of this, these two polarizing views with two other little details that I think are important. Number one, And you're going to squash one of these. I know you are. I just know you're going to wait, wait for, and just squash it. But number one, you've got to have conviction about your quarterback. I mean, you have to have a belief and a conviction. Mm -hmm. Chiefs went up and got theirs. They paid him. He's their MVP. Jalen Hurts was taken in the second round. Okay, and you can say, wow, they tried to trade for Russell. That's fine. They had a conviction about Russell, but they, you know, and, and it ultimately didn't work out. But they drafted Jalen Hurts when they had Carson Wentz. Right, And a lot of folks, yours truly, was like, I don't really get that. I don't really understand it. Well, you know what? They knew Carson better than anybody else knew Carson, and they knew Carson wasn't the guy. Mm-hmm. And so you better have, a in this league, you better have a real conviction. You can also be lukewarm about your quarterback. And then lastly, with those Chiefs, your dependent players better be protected. So all of your young players that you're going to play, if you're you're going to play them and you're going to draft them and you're going to play them at corner and at safety and at linebacker, guess what? They better be protected by Chris Jones and Frank Clark in a D-line that can make their job a little easier. right? You're going to have a dependent and play a young running back or receivers, then you better have – Uh, linemen that are good Mm -hmm. and can protect as they did Mahomes this time around after facing Tampa a few years ago and realizing Superman can't fly without a cape and that cape is his lineman. They paid Joe Thune. They drafted Creed Humphrey high. They traded for Orlando Brown, right? So you better, if you're going to go down that road and pay your quarterback, then your players up front, they they better be lights out Mm -hmm. and and you better invest in them because the dependent guys behind him, behind them, unlike the Seahawks when they went that route, Right? And they try to go cheap on the O line and try to go volume on the D line. Uh Uh-uh. Doesn't work. Did, didn't work, didn't work from the inside out. So you go down that route and you pay your quarterback, and you better be really good at the line. I'm not poo-pooing too. any of those ideas. Okay, well, I thought the Jalen, you might poo-poo a little bit because they tried to trade for no,
0: Russell. No, I'm not going to poo-poo that. I think you're right about that. I mean, they did draft him when other people didn't think he was worth it, and ultimately they committed to him. It took them a little while to do it, yeah. but they did this year, and they designed an offense that fit him perfectly and everything else. No, I think they had a very strong commitment to Jalen Hurts. I'm right there with you. But I don't see how the middle ground is successful. Mm-mm. And so I, I, I don't know what you do if you're the Seahawks right now. There, there is no franchise elite quarterback available. There's no unless you believe in Lamar, and if that's the case, then you should go all in, get him, pay him, build around him, and try to mimic what the Chiefs did. You'd be giving up some of the draft capital, right? That they that's used a, to, you'd, to you'd build those give, young players.
1: You'd be giving up a lot of it. Are you sure? I think so. Are you sure? I think if Russell went for two ones and guys have gone for two ones and other players and other picks, I think Lamar is going to go for
0: it, it, is his I age. I found a pro football focus uh, potential um, trades here, and they mm-hmm. have for the Texans, them giving up their their second overall and their 12th overall this year, mm-hmm. their third round pick this year, and a first and a second next year. I don't think they'll do that. Uh, I'm no, just saying, I think that yeah. the asking price is more than Russell. Three
1: ones, a second, and a third. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're good looking luck getting at- that.
0: I don't think anyone will spend that on Lamar Jackson, given the injury history, given all the negatives that Moore has brought up mm-hmm. over the last few days. I would be surprised if the market for Lamar Jackson is that high. My gut. I don't have inside information, but I'm telling you, that would surprise me. Mm -hmm. And I think if they're going to look to trade him because they don't want to pay him on a franchise tag, that they are going to end up finding there's not as big a market as you might think for an MVP guy at that price, etc. So I I don't know that that's an accurate portrayal of what the market looks like for, for Lamar Jackson.
1: Only the market will tell us that. Right. And only the market's going to tell you whether or not he and his mom want to agree in, in Baltimore, uh, because they've been pretty hard and fast. Mm-hmm. We want Deshaun's money. We want Deshaun Watson's money. If Deshaun Watson got that money in this market, we want that money and we are not going to alter, which is another reason why I think to your point, it may soften the market because these other 31 teams are like Cleveland's are, Cleveland's idiots. We're not doing that. And uh, just like Baltimore's not doing mm-hmm. it, we're, we're not going to guarantee him and with his injury history and his style, five years, 250 million. Nobody's going to guarantee that. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Not going down that road. And about 68%, by the way, of my little Twitter audience mm. believe the same thing. Like, nah, thanks, but no thanks. Too rich an asking price.
0: But what if the asking price, at least in terms of draft capital, is not as high as you think? Look, I, I don't know that, that this is the right move. As I've said before, I just get excited about him because he's so fun to watch. I think he is as exciting as anybody in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he makes you an instant contender. And if I'm Pete Carroll, there's a lot to like there. I understand a lot of the negatives, but Pete's not a negative guy. He looks at the positives, and the positives with, with Lamar Jackson are
1: huge. He's going to say to you, look at what, what your two styles right there, how you started this whole conversation. He's our Patrick Mahomes. Right. Now we got to draft again like we just did. Oh, by the way, we just drafted amazingly, and we got cost control on a bunch of these young men for the next three years. So we draft accordingly. We had a a linebacker here. You know, we still have some cap space. We can move those numbers around a little bit. And Pete Carroll says, let's ride. Oh, actually, let's go. (laughs) Actually, not even a T. As the kids say it, let's go. Let's go. Let's go.
0: Brock's not going to throw an LFG in there, though. That's for sure. That that doesn't work for Brock or for Pete. All right. Uh, we'll give you everything you need to know because uh, there is a quarterback who is about to become available later today. We'll discuss him and everything else next. Brock and Salk Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know.
1: 15 minutes past every hour
0: with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know up first. Well, the first shoe of the offseason is expected to drop today. The Raiders inevitably will cut Derek Carr. Why? Well, because they need to. He wants out. They don't want to pay him, and he's got in his contract that they owe him a $40 million bonus today, and so today is the day. And then when he's released, we were debating this yesterday, but it it is for sure, he can sign right away. He doesn't yep. need to wait for free agency at that point to start in March. He can sign with a team right away. So he gets a huge head start on anybody else who is looking to sign as a quarterback. He's going to set the market, whether it's $40 million, $35 million a year, whatever it is. That's a marker that will be used in the Geno Smith negotiation. And, oh, by the way, you talk to KJ Wright, he's got a lot of nice things to say about Derek Carr. If we cannot get Geno done, um, I like him over Drew Locke, and I was with Derek Carr last year.
1: Talented quarterback. Teammates love him. Teammates respect him. And I believe that when it
0: comes to Coach Carroll, once again, I believe that Coach Carroll can fix Derek Carr. I believe that he can bring out the best in him leadership-wise. I believe he can bring out the best
1: in him with protecting the football with all those interceptions he's thrown. I believe that he can come into this system with the weapons that we have. If we can find a great number with Derek Carr, I believe that would be a really good Mm. pickup. Well, I'll tell you this, KJ. I too believe that Derek Carr would like to be a Seahawk. I think they're somewhat enamored with his arm talent. They played against him. Didn't move particularly well, but he throws it very, very well. I think, and to use KJ's words, I believe KJ that Tyler and DK would love to see Derek Carr. But let's remember something. He's made franchise quarterback money now for a bunch of years. Mm-hmm. And I would be reticent to believe that he is going to take less mm-hmm. to come here. And in a market where there's going to be a lot of want. And certainly we'll chat with Andrew Brand about this, what, in about an hour now. Former front office executive, very dialed into the economics of this thing. He tweeted just the other day that uh, the only reason Derek Carr and his agents say no to New Orleans is because they know what's on the other side. They've already had conversations and they understand the basic framework of this market It'll be a lot of money going to Derek Carr, and I don't think it will be Jody Allen's money.
0: Here's the second thing. You need to know. Uh, Pretty exciting seeing the Mariners players arriving in Peoria. The uh, first pitcher and catcher workout is Thursday. Uh, They tweeted some videos yesterday. Robbie Ray, George Kirby, Andres Munoz, Colton Wong, all the facility working out. And I just love seeing Colton Wong. I mean, everybody look free and easy, of course. Let's start (laughs) there. But after that, I love seeing Colton Wong just working on his defense. Taking ground balls with Perry Hill, using that uh, big big brick wall they've got there, right, and throwing the ball and catching it and working on various things with uh, Perry Hill, who's like the human cheat code in terms of what you can do for guys to to improve their defense. Matt Brash has been working at drive line all offseason. Apparently, he's made a, a pretty good impression. Here is Chris Legan who joined uh, Wyman and Bob yesterday. The known things, obviously, are I mean, I, I think you could pretty realistically say. His slider is maybe the best pitch in terms of, like, pitch movement and velocity uh, in, like, Major League history. Like, I actually think it's, like, that uh, absurd how good the stuff of that pitch is. Um, and the curveball is obviously pretty darn good, too. It's got a little more depth, so it can kind of be the uh, another option for left-handed hitters. He's just the best pitch in Major League history. Hold
1: on. Did he say my Major League Baseball history? He said my, right? No. I think he did. I don't think so. I think as I listened to that, because I was no. very curious. I think he said in my major league baseball. I did history, not hear that. These
0: guys, because he said it, maybe major league baseball history. <laughs> It feels like a little much. I, well, I, he said, I, you know, I think he said, like Major League Baseball history. Yeah, he,
1: he said something in there, and I was I was curious. It's what like, some,
0: It was like.
1: What what kind of context was going to be with it? Like, to call any singular pitch the greatest pitch in Major League Baseball history for the guy that's pitched one year in the league. And I know, it's all numbers, right? It's all depth and movement of that slider on top of the velo at which it comes, and there well, very they, few in the history that ever have ever done.
0: They also only have that information for, like, the last 10 years. Uh, correct. So... <laughs> so I, I,
1: I was kind of curious about the context of it. And I'm going to challenge one. I'm going to also challenge you on one thing. Me? Yeah. What? George Kirby, free and easy. Even Munoz, free and easy. There's nothing about Robbie's delivery <laughs> and grunting
0: that <laughs> appears free and easy to right, me. That's fair. I'll own that one. Here's the third thing you need to know. Cracking back at it in Winnipeg tonight. Another pretty good matchup as the Jets are second in the Central. And Brock, everybody who swore off the NFL appears to have come running back. 113 million people. Third highest ever for the Super mm. Bowl. A jump from the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. Do you know the last highest Super Bowl? I believe the highest in Super Bowl history. Do you know which game that was? Any guesses? Any guesses out there? That would be your Seattle Seahawks versus the New England Patriots. 114.6 million watched that one. So that is still the topper. Sure wish the ending
0: could have been just a little different. Appreciate that. Thanks. (laughs) It's really great to hear. All right. There you go. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show. Uh, It is Valentine's Day. So we've solicited some Valentine's Day poems Uh uh, from people. Would you like to hear a few that some people have sent in? Sure. Right. Are these haikus or poems? What They're Valentine's these? Day poems. Okay. It's not overcomplicated, Rock. There's romantic poems. Like, here's a couple from our friend Nanny O'Deal. Oh, my dearest DK, I find you so sweet, though I fear all my passes will fall incomplete. For when I gaze in your eyes, I hear Ave Maria, but you're on a cart because you have. Oh. <laughs> I'll let that Diary. One My love burns timeouts with a sense of impunity and sees each disaster as a cool opportunity. Too old for the game? That's what they were saying. We need a new coach. The smart 12s were praying. Yes, everyone's talking like a young Harry Nilsson, but the only one gone is a quarterback named Wilson. Nanny O'Deal. Burns timeouts with a sense of impunity. That's great. Would you like one more from Nanny? Sure. (laughs) Our friend Alex? Though we're miles apart, you set my heart alight for I am Brock's left eye and you are his right. <laughs> Confession. I heard I read that last night while brushing my teeth upstairs. Did you almost gag? I laughed so hard out loud that Heather came up to check on me and see what was happening. I was dying of laughter Brock when I read in that shambles last night. right now.
1: Was that Nanny? That was Nanny, yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. you going to get after him? Oh, Nanny. <laughs> oh,
0: Nanny. He's Wait, Brock I, I feel like I kind of missed it. Will you read it one more time? The Brock one? Yeah. Yes, and then I've got one more from Nanny. <laughs> Poor Alex. Though we're miles apart, you set my heart alight, for I am Brock's left eye. <laughs> <laughs> you are his right. <laughs> right one more. Alex this has sent good. us one pretty more funny. just a few minutes ago. Really Last good, one Alex. for now. We'll have more <laughs> later. Pretty good. Long, long ago... Before ranked, she menaced. Our dear Moraduli was truly a dentist. Her skills with a cuspid. Oh, well, where do I start? With her finger down your mouth, she could surely touch your heart.
1: Incredible. What? <laughs>
0: what can I tell you, man? From mouth all the way down to the heart has a long finger. What to say? We've lost Brock. We'll be right back. (laughs) Brock and Salk on Valentine's Day on Seattle Sports on seven ten. You're listening to Brock and Salk, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports Station. You doing okay after that kill shot there? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. respirator. (laughs) Have you met Alex? Uh, no, I've communicated with him, but I've Alex never met P. Alex. King, <laughs> that little punk. <laughs> I have not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Brock, you've been getting sensitive recently. I sent you a little picture of the hammerhead shark I ran into this uh, weekend, yeah, and that's cute. you didn't seem to react to it very real, kindly. Real cute. What was up with that? How come, how come you're getting I didn't sensitive know,
1: now? I, I thought you, maybe you were drunk texting me. I didn't know what you were doing. What was that hammerhead scary?
0: shark? You thought I was drunk texting you at like <laughs> two in the afternoon from an aquarium? Sure. Day drinking. <laughs> no. You were down at Point Defiance, I huh? was. Oh, that's cool. It's beautiful. That's the first time i have ever, ever been to that zoo? Uh, a
1: lot, yeah. Really? Yeah. That would make sense. I mean, I grew up around it. Right. right? That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, every time we take the little ferry over to Vashon for that r- little romantic ferry ride, we're like, oh, why don't we pop by the zoo on the way back? So, yep.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool it's zoo. Pretty good beautiful. zoo. Beautiful,
1: beautiful place, too. I'll yeah. tell you
0: what, man, they have walruses there. You ever see a walrus in person? I think, he's been, to, I think he's been there. Huh? Well, these <laughs> are only eight-month-old walruses, okay. so you would have had to have been there in the last eight months to see these particular walruses that they have right now. They're mm. gigantic. Yeah, they're big beans. It's funny to see them when they're in the water, though, because they're pretty They're pretty athletic in the water, mm-hmm. and then you see them get up, and they're just like...
1: <laughs> Why do you think I call defensive line I know, the walruses? It's pretty
0: accurate. Yeah. They're big that's, boys now. That's right, yes. This walrus was uh, 1,500 pounds, and they said that it was half-grown. I was like, What? Any, like, tu-
1: any tusks yet?
0: Yeah, but they have metal tips on the ends of their tusks right now to protect them. No. They don't want them to scrape oh. them on anything oh, and nice. break their tusks. So nice. they're being a little careful with the tusks of the walruses. Was this the first time you cheated on Woodland Park? Yes, it, it was. was. Yeah, okay. no, kind of different things. Woodland Park's got the giraffes, which are my favorites. But uh, walruses were unique. I've never All seen right. a walrus before All at a zoo. So, have so.
1: you been out to Northwest Track?
0: No, oh, on the Eatonville. No, have you, have you gone Heather deep in Eatonville? Heather yeah. did that with the That's kids. Pretty fun. I've heard it's great. You stay in your car for that, right? Yeah, the tram. You got yeah. the tram. You also go out to swim. Go to the Olympic Game Farm. I'd like oh, to do that huh? as well. Yeah, I like. I like a good zoo. I mean, San Diego obviously is. Don't get Justin started with all the landmarks on his map. we'll be here all day. He's got a whole zoo section nearby. All of these places. So the Seahawks are sixty-six to one. Brock, you you heard this yesterday. You were pretty upset.
1: Yeah, the email came kinda of the end of the show and I was like, Oh, this this be interesting to see where right, season ends. Here we go. Odds on, on next year. You know, they can they can't wait, can't wait a minute after the game to put odds on, on everybody for next year and thinking, All right, you're a playoff team. Right, you were one, uh, how many make the playoffs, 16 or so? Is that about right? 14, 16. 14. So here here we go. You're one of those playoff contenders leading the playoff game at the end of the first half on the road. You certainly showed that you belonged. You, you won some big games this year. You certainly lost some games that you, you're bummed about, but you, know, you were largely competitive all year long. Here, here we go. Where are we at? Where are we at? Top 10? Nope. Top 15? Nope. Top 20? No. Twenty. <laughs> Top 25? <laughs> I mean, the, the only teams worse than you don't have coaches right now, right? I mean, Arizona is down there. Houston, obviously, coming off their debacle of a season, is down there. Third coach in three years. Indianapolis is down there, and then you're basically tied right down near the bottom, at mm-hmm. sixty-six to one. Yeah. Why?
0: So I spent some time thinking about your question. Why is that? Right? You you gave us some some mild homework last mini, night. I called it mini mini homework, and so I I did a little I did a little thinking about this. I, I didn't really do any research. I just did some pondering. And I kind of came up with two reasons to answer your question. One, because Vegas is about betting, not ranking. They're not ranking. Vegas is not ranking teams Mm -hmm. in terms of who the best is. They're about the betting public. ESPN, by the way, in their power rankings has the Seahawks 13th. So it's not like the only way of viewing of them is that they're the 26th team in the league. The public, who, is, who drives you know, where, where they're going to put those numbers, doesn't believe in Pete Carroll, doesn't believe in Geno Smith. And it's not like there's a huge national presence of Seahawks fans to drive up the price like you might get with Steelers fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. They just don't have that kind of national presence. So they're a good team, but they're very unlikely to win the Super Bowl next year. And so those numbers are going to stay, you know, pretty low. The other thing I I thought of as as I was kind of going through your idea here is their over-under for wins is probably going to be more telling than their odds to win the championship. I think that's fair. Right? I think think they will be an over-under. I think their over-under on wins will be higher than their odds to win the championship. And you know what? That makes sense to me. I think the Seahawks, once again, if they bring back a similar team next year, draft picks, et cetera, just based on what we know now, the assumption that Geno is back, I think they can win nine or ten games again. But I don't think there's a chance they can win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So they are sort of, you know, there are other teams for whatever reason, there's a path to a Super Bowl, even if they may not be great. You can see the opportunity for if this and this happens, then bam. It's hard for me to see how in one year the Seahawks make it to a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I I think all of that is very accurate and very fair. I remember the win total last year was five and a half. I believe going into last season that moved around a little bit, five, five and a half, but that is kind of where it falls. I think they also put you, however, 26 on this list at 66 to one. And again, Houston 150 to one, Arizona 100 to one, Colts 80 to one, Washington and the Bears 75 to one. And there you are tied with the Titans at 26 in the league at 66 to one. I guess Carolina is also 66 to one. But I think they also look back at this year. This is about moving ahead. But in doing so, they also look back and go, yeah, you, you played the Rams twice with nobody. You, you know, Arizona melted down, and mm-hmm. your division kind of went into it, NFC best and ended up being one of the worst because of injuries and, and everything else. And I, I think just, and also the way you kind of petered out in the, in, had a losing stretch of five of, of six games and lost to a Carolina and lost to a Raiders and, and just kind of had a stretch there where you look like the team they thought you were going to be at the start of the year. You look like a four or five win team during critical stretches there in the second half of the season. And I think that that image is also burned into some of these odds makers as they look ahead and go, okay, Aaron Donald and Stafford are coming back. Yeah, Arizona's you know going to be bad still, but 49ers aren't going anywhere. The majority of their team returns. Philadelphia's not going anywhere. Some of these teams are going to be strengthened around you. Your schedule is going to be a little tough next year, and – yeah, we just we don't we don't see a path right now to the Super
0: Bowl. Well, I don't either. I, I mean, based on what we know now, that doesn't mean that you can't do some big things in the offseason. But short of taking some big swings, I see the Seahawks as a decent team next year, maybe a okay. good team. Okay. but then Without back, big okay. swings, it's hard for right. me to see how then, they make a Super then Bowl. Then back
1: to next the start of the show this right. morning. Okay. So take that information, take that intel, take that little tidbit, mm-hmm. and go back to the start of the show then. <laughs> If if Geno Smith comes back at thirty million a year, are you not middle of the road? Are you not right lukewarm? Right smack dab in the middle? That's exactly where you are. And does that and is that a path to a Super Bowl? No. Okay, so then then you do have to consider, do you not, uh, really going one of these two routes? Yes, and going the Drew Lock route or going the Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr route. Yes, that's this
0: is what I've been saying for weeks now, and I, and I'm going to keep beating the drum. So your percentages. It's not about my percentages. I still think there's a high percentage that they get something done. But with you don't Gino. think it's but you don't think it's best path. Look, to when simple. they sign him for $35 million, I'm going to kind of shrug my shoulders and say, "Look, I like Gino. I'm happy for him. They'll be a fun team to watch and a fun team to root for, and I'll move forward trying to figure out what they do to make the rest of the team good enough to get over mm-hmm. that hump." But I think they'll have made their life harder, and I think that stinks for Gino Smith, who is who's done great over the last few years. But he's timed it in such a way that it feels, anyway, as if the league is starting to wake up to the fact that paying second-tier quarterbacks, which is not an insult, second-tier money isn't a winning strategy. That you either want to pay first-tier team, first quarterbacks big-time money or not. Well, or Don't actually, pay the quarterback.
1: Uh, the only thing I would object to there is that actually second-tier money to second-tier quarterbacks is a winning formula. It's just not winning a Super Bowl. You give yourself a chance to to maybe get to a playoffs. You give yourself a chance to not be an abomination. You give yourself a chance to fill your seats and provide a little bit of hope. You do actually win. You just don't win at all. You just don't. You 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 could you could win. What what did the Vikings win? Thirteen games. You could win your division with a negative scoring differential and know that your team is incomplete and not going to win a Super Bowl. Fair. But do you want to win? You want to win games? Like Gina's going to help you win some games. And he helped you win games this year. He played at a very high level. He wasn't going to win you a Super Bowl on this team this year. And to your point, if you're going to pay him 30 million, you're going to guarantee him 60 million. You're going to give him three years. Is there a path to a Super Bowl versus who, okay, you know uh, this, this reminds me of Jerry DePoto and John Stanton on that little yellow legal notepad
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? When they decided, all right, men and women, what are we going to do here? pull out your legal pads, give me a path, <laughs> give me a path to a World Series, and do you see it? And do you see it with Felix and Robbie and going this route? Or do we have to tear this thing down?
0: Well, and I guess then that's the question. What's What's the goal? Is it to be a good team or is it to be a great team? That's right. And I would certainly hope the goal is to be a great team. So, yeah, I, you know, Brock, as we've talked through this, I guess I haven't come out and said it outright. But, yeah, I would be against paying Geno Smith anywhere more than $25 million a year. Mm-hmm. And, and even at 25, I think it's like you still got to go draft somebody. Like, I, I think you got to pay if – if it's 25, okay. I don't see why Gino would accept that. But if it's 25000000 million, million, I'm, I'm 100% on board. That sounds great. You can do whatever you want while paying $25 million. That is not huge money at this point for a quarterback at all. Mm-hmm. But once you start getting over that, mm-hmm. once you start d- d- you know drifting into the 30 territory, mm-hmm. I think I'm against it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really am because I, I don't see how you can structure your team either in either of the ways that the two Super Bowl teams just did, either with a guy making rookie contract money and a ton of veterans around him or a elite franchise quarterback like Patrick Mahomes with a lot of young guys around him. Yeah. I just don't
1: see how you do it. Is this, and I'm just trying to kind of look here, is this just super prisoner of the moment to yesterday or has this been a decade long? Right, has this been kind of the course that has been been set in some of these Super Bowls? Or so? Let me go back. I pulled up the list. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kansas City and Philly. How about the Rams and Cincy? So the Rams went all in, right? All in, all in on Stafford. Cincy
0: rookie quarterback.
1: Yep. Uh, Tampa rookie Bay rookie quarterback. Tampa Bay, Kansas City. Tampa went pretty largely all in mm-hmm. on Tom, right, and paid him significant money. And Kansas City all in on Mahomes. A uh, year before that, Kansas City, San Francisco. So would San Francisco be the team with Jimmy Garoppolo where they paid him in the twenty millions? Would, it, would that be maybe the first team in four years that you go back to and go, okay, well, John Lynch and Shanahan kind of did it with a Geno Smith type.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what we heard, right? It we did. don't need Jimmy
1: because we, on, got, in, we got in between Jimmy and Geno. They
0: had those years where they drafted in the top five every year. But yes. yes. All right. So there's one.
1: Yep. New England with Tom versus the Rams, and this is where it's going to start. You can start almost to...
0: throw all the Brady ones out because he's such Correct. a unique individual, right? Yep. Rams did it with Jared Goff on a rookie contract, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. So,
1: I don't know. I <laughs> Philadelphia still did it. Wentz was on a rookie contract, but they had Nick Foles that year that mm-hmm. kind of came aboard. Atlanta had Matt Ryan and Brady. Yeah, You're right. It's kind of hard just simply because Brady dominated so many of these. But Cam Newton, Carolina went all in. Denver went after and got Peyton Manning. So you got to have just a full, strong conviction about your quarterback. You can't be betwixt and between. And where are you right now? Betwixt and between. Yep, betwixt and between. But where am I right now? It's Valentine's Day. And where I am is (laughs) roses are red, violets are blue, Seahawks were good. 23 is true to the blue. (laughs) Bam!
0: Take that, Nanny. 23? Like yeah. 2023? Yes. Oh, yes. That's your big poem? <laughs> sure. Who is it to? You. Me? Why are you... S- I don't want that poem. I want this one from Brandon in Sacramento. It's Valentine's and Salk's feeling inferior. He's looking puffy with his bloated exterior. <laughs> Ow, it's okay, Salk. Heather loves you with all her heart. Even as you stuff your face. <laughs> with another Pop-Tart. Pop-Tart. Did you write a Valentine to Pop-Tarts? <laughs> sure. Special Valentine's Day. They're red. They're perfect. <laughs> a good strawberry Pop-Tart today. Throw one down. Let's do some Blue 88. This is Brock and Sog's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can.
1: Now, here's your hosts, Brock Heward
0: and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, we asked about this last week. I'll ask you again. Where's the Pac-12 at with their rights deal?
1: Uh, yeah, well, yesterday, uh, you're. What what is the old, isn't there an axiom, kind of an adage about you're either doing or you're talking?
0: You're either talking or you're lose. If you're talking, you're losing. Yeah. yeah. They're just talking. They're just talking right now. So they're and- losing. Yeah, and there's
1: starting to be some heat cranked up, right? The John Wilners, the John Canzano's, the the strong reporters on the West Coast are like, where is this deal? Where is this deal? We had our alumni meeting right around the Pac-12 title game. A lot of optimism. A lot of people want to be at the table. Hey, we're not going to be the Big 12. We're not going to be the Big 10, but we're not going to be the Big 12. We're not going to settle. We're not going to set the floor. Big 12 set the floor. Big Ten has the ceiling, and we're going to be right in between. Okay, well, where is it hmm. right now? It's J- January's past. Now we're mid-February. So yesterday, the conference finally has to stem the tide a little and puts out a, a note from all the ten presidents and chancellors in the board, saying we're in good shape, we're in, we're unified. You're going to like what we're what we got cooking. Okay, we'll stop talking and get to doing and get that deal done. When's that going to happen? don't know and don't know if smu and san diego state need to be tied to this thing as well if that's kind of holding it up that maybe the streaming services maybe the amazons the apples are saying hey we can't do 10 mm-hmm. right we're, we're we're we don't we don't have enough tens not enough inventory go get us a couple more markets go get us dallas go get us southern california with sc and ucla leaving but,
0: but those aren't re- i mean getting getting that's not really southern california San Diego State? No. I mean, no. technically, it's in, it's in Southern California, uh-huh. but it doesn't have the interest level of USC or even UCLA. Don't tell you me can tell me about that. SMU, Brock, but Don't that's, that's not that. the, the, the big driver in Dallas. Don't tell the Pony Express then. Uh, all right. Next question. So when it comes to Lamar Jackson, we've been sort of debating and throwing his name around a little bit. If you are the Seahawks... Are you interested? I'll tell you, you got a little secret weapon here. Think about it. Think what's happened
1: and transpired the last few weeks. Not that they did this intentionally because Baltimore had to approach you. But what, what, what and whom did Baltimore approach? Your QB coach.
0: True. And Dave Canales.
1: Yes. So we kind of spun that like, hey, man, Dave Canales is a people person. He's a relationship builder. Right? Look what he did with Gino. You certainly know that that's what Baltimore second. Mm-hmm. And he went out for a second interview. You know what Dave Canales gained in those two interviews? Pretty darn incredible intel inside those walls and buildings that you would have never gotten unless you interviewed. Yeah, you've played against Lamar Jackson. You've watched Lamar Jackson. But you know who really knows Lamar Jackson? The Baltimore Ravens. And the fact that Dave Canales has been out there for two interviews, if he doesn't get the job, and I don't know if Baltimore's made their decision yet or not, but when Dave Canales comes back and is employed by the Seahawks, do you know what he's got? He's got more intel on Lamar Jackson than the Seahawks would have ever had without him interviewing. So I'll throw that into the little blender as well.
0: I I like that. I like that. That's a good good point right there. I think think the kids call that a deep cut right there. That's That's a deep cut? That's a pretty deep cut right there. I don't think that's what that means, but okay. (laughs) Number three. Uh, Brock, you've told us about the uh, deepest positions at the Combine here in a couple of weeks. They are uh, edge rusher and cornerback. There you go. What's the most intriguing position group, and is it tight ends? Nope. uh, Tight ends is one of the deepest. Oh, okay.
1: I don't like this receiver group. The D tackle, the interior D line, not great. Interior O line, not deep. The most intriguing is the running back room. Daniel Jeremiah is saying it's one of the best that he's looked at. Lewis Riddick last week with us saying, hey, started the Senior Bowl. Was this little running back out of Tulane that I saw during the season that the rest of the country Spears got to see during Senior Bowl week? Throw in Bijan Robinson and some top end talent. You throw in middle of the road talent, and oh by the way, one of those young rookies that we talked about with the Chiefs—they weren't all just in the secondary. There was a kid that ran four-three-eight Pacheco out of uh, out of Rutgers that went in the seventh mm-hmm. round. And this is this is who this really affects is Rashad Penny. In any of the free agent running backs out there, especially Rashad, with yet another injury-riddled year. But I can give you five or six running backs, off that I'm like, ooh, I like him. Chase Brown, Illinois, I like him. Zach Charbonnet, UCLA, I really like him. That, that kid out of Tulane, I like him. Moh- Mohamed I- Ibrahim, tough name to pronounce, by the way, because it's not what it looks like. That dude is a physical, downhill, absolute thumper. Kendry Miller, TCU, I really like him. Hmm. Deuce Vaughn, late rounds, I really like him. There's like six or seven for me where I'm like, ooh, I really like that guy. He's going to be a good NFL player. And that running back room, very, very intriguing. And Mr. Rashad Penny, probably a little bum from a market value standpoint because there's a lot of young thoroughbreds in this running back class.
0: All right, there you go. That is today's Blue 88. We do that 745 every morning. So let me ask you then, when, you, when it comes to this quarterback class, since we're just talking through the draft a little bit, who is your favorite dark horse quarterback in this draft? So I'm not talking about the three or four guys that are going to go in the top five or ten. Yeah. Once you get outside the top ten, guys that would be available certainly at 20 and possibly in the 30s. Who's your favorite? Is it DTR?
1: No, he's he's nowhere near that high. He is, He has been so up and down, and he's so emotional, and there's just some things there that he's little – No, I mean, he's nowhere near in the 20s, 30s, second round. I think he's – I've not even seen him in the top six. I think Jake Hayner has passed him with his senior bowl. So, yeah, no. So, I, I, he's not – Is it Richardson? He's he's third or fourth round. Richardson's a guy now that he is – as I was just reading, Dane Brugler uh, from The Athletic put out his top 100 players. He is the most traitsy of any of these guys. Like, if you want Jalen Hurts' traits, right, strong, physical – Fling it all over the yard, but not a game where he threw for over 250 nor 60 percent mm. in his career. Like Josh Allen did that. People are like, Oh, well, Josh Allen, he was super. Yeah, Josh Allen was inconsistent. He also played in a wind tunnel at 7,000 feet in Laramie, right? Not, not in the swamp and in the SEC with the best of the best stuff. So, but, but traits, he's the most traitsy in the okay. 20s. Don't think he's going to get to the 20s.
0: Really? You think somebody just says screw it I'm in and they're going to take him earlier than that? Yep. Okay. Yep, because of what you said. Like I want
1: I want a, a r- rookie quarterback. That's, yep. how, that's one of the two ways you do it. And if I can get him in the mm. in the teens or 20s or or you know, whatever, even 10, good. Let me go. Is
0: there Please. anybody else in the tw- in the 30s that you like?
1: There's an intriguing guy out of Tennessee by the name of Hendon Hooker that is very also traitsy and very intriguing. And had he not torn his ACL, right, and he would have finished, he may have won the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> so he would have been a very, a very different narrative. Now, coming off of an ACL, midseason, late in the year, probably not going to play for you in 23. But is he
0: somebody that's
1: that you take in the late second? Is he in that Jalen Hurts range that you take mid to late second I mean, round? I do
0: kind of like that range, I'll be honest with you. I mean, guys yep. that go in that range, there is something awfully intriguing about it. So, uh, there's I'll keep the my Kaepernicks, eye on that.
1: there's the Daltons, yep. there's the Hurts, there's those second round guys. I mean, that, it's not
0: even that far from Ross. I mean, he goes third round, but okay. I mean, like, yep. that sort of mid to late second round where you mm-hmm. have a pick is an awfully intriguing spot for me to start thinking about a quarterback, even if you go and do something else, whether it's with Geno or with somebody else yep. along the way. A right. uh, uh, little breaking news here with something whoa. you were discussing in yes. Blue 88. Whoa, 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 uh, Dave Canales will not be going to the Ravens because they just hired Todd Monken to be their mm. offensive coordinator. I don't know who that is, but congratulations uh, to uh, Todd. I'm sure he's going to do a great OC. job. Uh, yeah. Wow, big news. So Dave Canales okay. staying here with all the inside information he needs on Lamar Jackson. Maybe the Seahawks will make a deal. Something tells me that's not going to happen. All right, Andrew Brandt's going to join us coming up here in 30 minutes. Uh, up next, though, Brock, it's uh, just about time. Yeah. Tomorrow, they report. Mm -hmm. Thursday, Mm -hmm. they work out. It's baseball season, man. And we're going to talk some Mariners next.